0: All right, here we go. Ready? Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read the passage to you, and you can join me there. It is an arduous amount of... Just listen to somebody this past week on the radio said, people are sick of words that they have no understanding what you're talking about. So, how many of you would like me to stop using the word arduous? I'm not even sure I know what it means. No, I know. I know what it means. Although, I did, a wedding, I did a wedding two weeks ago, and I used the word Trisacta. I cannot tell you how many people came up to me. after. First, my son came up to me with Google saying it's not a word. I just Googled it. <laughs> and nonstop. I mean, I hadn't seen some of these people for 10, 12 years, and the very first thing they said, Trisacta? Really? Trisacta? I don't know. You know what it means when I say it. It's called a Jer word. All right, let's get serious here. Let's get into the Word of God, shall we? All right, we're going to be in verse 21 through 23. This, before we get to it, you've got to mark it down. Even if you have one of those new Bibles, whatever, get in there, write it down. This is the... I told you prior, a few weeks ago, that I thought that was the most complete idea, concept of the Gospel, packaged together. Uh-uh. This is. In, in three verses... You have the entirety of the gospel. Are you ready for it? Now let's read. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Fantastic. So there's a lot to unpack here, and we're going to kind of do it uh, verse by verse, if you'll allow me. But let's use this illustration to help us grasp the concepts this morning, because it's a little challenging. Have you ever bought a car and they tried to sell you on the extended warranty? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, you may get a, you may get a, a package like this and, and they'll say, hey, you can save an average of 80% on coverage costs if you sign up for this extended warranty. How many of you uh, have heard and believe that that is one of the worst things you can ever do is sign up for an extended warranty? You are throwing your money down the tubes. I'm not so sure I believe that after my cars this past month, but, you know, moving on. And then the salesman may sit down and you may give him that resistance. He says, no, 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 I don't want the extended warranty. I know all about it. And I've told guys at Best Buy, right? You can't go through the Best Buy checkout line without these guys telling you, hey, do you want the service pack?" What happened to a regular warranty that used to come with the product? Those don't exist anymore. They've gone goodbye, right? So now you have to purchase an extra warranty just for 30 days of, of whatever. And then there's a deductible. I can't even say it. I'm so upset. So then they may go through this whole litany of Hey, if you, get, if you just pay $30, you'll have all this protection. And then what they don't tell you, it's like on Arbor Day, between the hours of 7 and 8, and that's if Marty McFly bursts through the clouds with a time machine. Then you qualify for your extended warranty. So then they may hit you with this. Now, you don't want your family stuck on the side of the road, do you? Well, no, I don't want my family stuck on the side of the road. Well, then what kind of a husband are you? I guess they're only worth $3,532 to you, aren't they? For one month. And then they show you this. And they say, look, if the most interesting man in the world thinks this is a good idea, why don't you? Right? And then they really go after you. Right? the object is to make sure that you don't end up like this and they'll remind you about the 72 ford Pinto, of which i was a proud owner but here's what they don't know while yes the brakes did give out completely and i rear-ended a cop no my friend rear-ended a cop in my car uh it never actually caught on fire so not gonna not gonna manipulate me there but they are gonna talk about the entropy of your car and all cars eventually are going to end like this. But if you sign up for that extended warranty, it's going to give you protection against that. Right? Your car will not end up like that. Wouldn't it be nice if our cars through extended warranty just were like that? Right? Because that's what they're selling you, isn't it? That if you just spend this extra money, it's going to be like this all the time. Sarah's Sarah knows this. She, she's, you know, Dale has all these cars. I think he has one just like this, doesn't he? Or close to, yeah. And then he dresses up in a tuxedo and he has surface-to-air missiles on it. And he says, name's Shell. Dale, Shell. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> you can tell him that next time, I, uh, next time you see him. So what does this have to do with what we're talking about? It has everything to do with what we're talking about. Because Paul talks about the gospel in certain areas. And he says, I do not peddle the gospel. I just present it because it's true. What if you and I had a warranty against sin and death? Are you buying it? Hmm. Now the challenge is, what's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me? And see, experience, or the world wants to tell you, the cost is too great to purchase that extended warranty on eternal life. But you see, they don't fully comprehend how good the warranty is. Because, honestly, right, we're cynical. We've experienced too much damage to really believe that there's something worth going all in for. And what we're talking about, what Paul's talking about this morning is he's saying, I'm not trying to sell you something, but here's the gospel truth. Here is the gospel truth. This matters. And it does last for eternity. Has he got you yet? Has he got you at least willing to sit down at the table? And listen. Well, let's look at it. What does Paul tell us? Well, in verse 21, he says this. Sure, he does. All right. Got a little overlap issue right there. So let's go manual. So in verse 21, he says this. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Let's just stop right there. So he talks about you. He talks about me. And what does he say? He says, number one, we're alienated. We're alienated from God. We don't have a contract with God yet. We don't have that ability to have eternal life. We don't even have the ability to be in the same room as God. And why is that? Well, because we're hostile in mind towards God. Now let me go back to alienated real quickly. Are you estranged from God? Are you estranged from God? Have you broken off contract? Or maybe you just keep driving by the dealership. So that's where we start today, because that's where Paul started, right? So he says, here's the deal, let's start with you. You're alienated from God. Not a good position to be in. Because that means the only thing that's going to happen, the only thing that's going to happen is what I have the ability and strength to do. I'm a pretty strong guy. I'm a pretty all-together guy, but I've got to tell you that there are just many challenges that go way beyond what I can handle. Are you with me? There are many challenges that go beyond what I can handle. Not only just surviving in those challenges, but thriving in those challenges. But because I'm alienated from God, I don't have that access, I don't have that power, I don't have all the privileges of that warranty, of that extended warranty. Why? Well, because just like you, I hear the guy sell me the the, the extended warranty pitch, and what do I do? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm not interested. I've been told these are a waste of time. How much of the world is telling us that God is a waste of time? Over and over and over and over. You know, here's the fascinating thing. When your car has a severe problem and a severe breakdown and a severe issue that goes beyond your deductible, all of a sudden it made a lot of sense and all you can think about is, I should have signed up. But what did you do? You rolled the dice and you banked on the fact that No, 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 no. My car can do it. It can do it. It can do it. You know, spiritually, we do that every day, right? We say, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And we may be a hair's breadth away from disaster, spiritually. And so God says, what? He says, look, first of all, we're not talking. Second of all, you don't even like me you don't even want to be around me how do we know that john 3 18 through 20 tells you a good idea write that down in your sermon notes and uh, that one's free for you okay next he says what he says we're doing evil deeds my question is this are you being forced to choose god over lifestyle because most of the time our our minds are hostile towards god why because we have this lifestyle that we want to live, and we think that that's really good for us, but I, I guess I have this question: How's that working out for you? You know once, once uh, I've been into the uh, mechanics in and I'm, I'm now surpass, I'm, I'm like 3,800 dollars in one month, and you know the, 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 the deductible on that, that warranty was four thousand. all I have to do is tip the scales by a few hundred more, and pff, that was a bad choice. But I rolled the dice back here. You see, you're hostile towards God until you what? Until you need Him. And why is that? Jesus was real specific. You know, I love those moments where it's Jesus words, right? You guys get that? Because sometimes I'm going to tell you, and sometimes I love it. I just absolutely love it. My ego explodes when I hear somebody say, Well, my pastor said... No. <laughs> Stop that. I, I got up here with a fake crutch. Come on, give me a break. You shouldn't be quoting anything from me. But what I will tell you is, I love it when Jesus gives us the truth just straight up. It's so good. It's so healthy. It's an elixir for the soul. And what did he say? It's real simple. Right after John 3.16 where he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Extended warranty, right? Then it says, "Oh, but here's the problem: men love darkness rather than they love light." Now I'm going to ask a real simple question because I'm going to re- reveal something that happened in the past 24 hours for me. But before I do that, you're my sample, right? You're my lab rats. you ever feel like a lab rat? You are now. Okay. Have you ever pursued your own agenda versus God's agenda? And it crashed down on you? Okay. Do you know our society doesn't want to pressure you with that kind of thought? Our society says that's too much for you to deal with. I just had an online conversation with somebody who says I should never preach this. And then I listened to this podcast that they mentioned... And it was, it was a bunch of egalitarian, pseudo-theologians, probably 25, sitting around a, a local coffee shop, sipping their macchiatos and adjusting their, uh, their head caps and, uh, and pontificating about you know, greater things in life. And the reality is, is they kept going, because it's real popular right now to, to bash on the church and to eradicate this idea that we're hostile towards God. How many of you have ever been in that scenario where you're in the room and you're looking at it and you're saying, um, hello, there's a fire in the room. And you keep trying to tell people there's a fire in the room and nobody's listening to you. Just relax. And you're like, what's wrong with you people? There's a fire in the room. Obviously, I'm speaking metaphorically, right? You see, because the world and believers, Christians, think you can't handle the idea That you have at some point made a bad choice, made a sinful choice, and because of that you're alienated from God. And you can't handle being told that that's what's happened. I get it. Because a statement was made that this person said, I went to church for over a decade and all I heard was how sinful I am, how worthless I am, how unacceptable I am, and how my whole life is completely pointless every single Sunday. And I thought, that's just straight abuse. Why would you continue to go to that church? Now the reality is, if we start judging God and what God's truth is based off of, number one, our emotions, our emotional state, or really bad teaching, then we become a sucker for the really bad extended warranty. And we get burned, right? The reality is this. I think you can handle the truth because I think you know the truth. And when we pretend not to know the truth, we know it. We know it. We know it. But the reality is I've got to move beyond that idea that I'm hostile in mind. I'm alienated from God. How can I do that? There's one way, isn't there? And what a sad story if that's where Paul stopped then those, those pontificators I listened to on this blog, they would be right if that was the entire message. But that is not the entire message. By the way, somebody responded to this, this uh, thread by saying, hey, um, if we didn't sin, then why did Jesus die on a cross? That would be a brutal message. That would be a wasteful message. So let's move through this because we just got past you. So, Hopefully, we're all understanding that, hey, we got a car that could go down, right? Not only could go down, probably is going to go down. That based off of who I am in my humanness or humanity, I will be alienated from God. I will be hostile in mind because of sin. I'm going to be hostile in mind towards God. I want you to catch this. I want you to think about this just real quickly. When people don't want to be around God, it manifests itself in multiple ways. They don't want to be in the Word. They don't want to be in prayer. And they don't want to be around God's people. Why? Because they're hostile in mind. Because of... And this is what that pontificating group would say. Because why? (laughs) Because it's guilt. And nobody likes guilt. Jesus doesn't like guilt either. He hates it so much, He hung on a cross. But the reality is, when I make choices with my car not to put oil in it for three months and it's got 150,000 miles on it and all of a sudden the service engine light goes on and I just start weeping uncontrollably at the steering wheel because my cars have nonstop been in the garage for three months whose fault is it? you know what, this stupid car (laughs) I don't get it, why are you laughing? But you know, the world says you can't handle dealing with that. Yeah, initially I get frustrated and then I'm like, oh, I should probably check the oil because we burn oil in this car. <laughs> uh, this is like the Sahara Desert on this dipstick. Um, first I'm going to go to Riley's. I'm going to drop a couple quarts, and then I'm going to get to the dealership. And it all worked out. We're flirting with disaster. We're hostile in mind towards God. When we want to make choices against God. So what do we do? Well, it's about Jesus. Verse 22 says this. He has now reconciled his body of flesh by his death. You see how what Paul was saying initially was all about you and me. Now he shifts and he says it's all about Jesus. It's completely about Jesus. Your answer is in Jesus. Let's look at it. Number one, Jesus is reconciling. He can bring all things together. He can make this warranty absolutely perfect and eternal and faultless. Every day you invest in this warranty will be rewarding and will not be thrown away. Because He is actively reconciling you towards God. That's who Jesus is. Next, substitutionary. It says that He took our physical place on the cross. Have you ever gone to a dealership and you had to take your car in? And, and great, you've got the extended warranty, but you're still bumming because you're like, I, I, I'm not going to be able to go to work. I'm not going to be able to, you know, go to hometown buffet. I can't get to hometown and I love buffet and it's great. And now I'm really sad and, and that's not good. And, and then the, the general manager comes to you and says, we'd like to offer you this Jaguar XJS convertible as a as a comp car. You're like, What? oh, I think my car just blew its main seal too. But have you ever experienced that? Like my neighbor, she had, her car was in just getting regular maintenance. She drives up in this incredible, like, Dale Shell, super spy car. I'm like, wow. That's, she goes, no, no, the, the, the dealership just gave it to me to drive while my car getting service. That's what Jesus did. He provided the substitution so we didn't have to go through the pain. We didn't have to go through the suffering that was required because of our sin. Because we were alienated. Because we were hostile to God. Jesus took our place. You get it? It's all about Him. There is an answer. There is an eternal answer. And there's a beautiful, hopeful answer. And it's all about Jesus. He took your place. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. The incarnation well where'd you get that pastor because i think too much of the time we don't think about the incarnation we're getting ready for christmas and that's when we focus on it but here's the idea if jesus didn't physically come to earth in human form how could he be our substitute on the cross have you ever thought about that you see if jesus just in his godliness and his divinity hangs on the cross where's the suffering Because you and I, if we were divine, I know I'd push that button. Oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to crucify me. Okay. Okay. I got like no pain. I don't know if it's like 10,000 milligrams of Vicodin and Oxycontin all at the same time or whatever. But it's like, I would hit that button over and over if it was my option. It was Jesus's option and he chose not to hit the button. He chose for you and me to go through the same pain or greater Because that was what was required. Have you ever had somebody do something for you, but they did it halfway? And you're like, "Well, okay, I appreciate it. It was a nice effort, but you don't really get it. You don't know how hard this is. Jesus not only knows how hard it is, we don't know how hard it is, because He did it for us. He couldn't have done that unless He came fully as a human. Do you understand the gravity of that? And He chose that. To satisfy the Father, he chose that to satisfy the father it 's all about Jesus, that is the gospel truth that is the gospel truth. the result verse twenty two this is fantastic. ready? Remember those pontificators sitting with their like you know skull caps and and uh, their woolly you know their, their scarves and all this stuff in the middle of July in a coffee shop right and they 're conceptualizing about deeper and greater things at age three. And uh, so you know they're all about this you know uh, guilt and and you know uh, you know beating you down with sin and everything and and there's no balance. That yes, there's a reason Jesus came. So can we please transition to what this does for us? Here you go. You ready? This is what the warranty is going to do for you. Are you ready? And this is the gospel truth. There's no hidden materials. There's no hidden dates. There's no hidden uh, uh, deductible or co-pays. This is it. This is what it means to put your faith in Jesus Christ and see that transformation happen in your life. The rest of verse 22. And it says this. He has now reconciled his body of flesh by his death in order to... Now, we're back to us in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. Holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Him being God. So let's look at it. The result is number one, sanctification. Anybody want to upgrade your car? I have a, I have a real deep sickness. And that is just to research and research and research. And now it's like, you know, I don't. the base model is really hard for me now. Okay, The base model is hard for me. I don't have to have like all the spinning rims, you know, because those are really cool. I don't have to have that, but boy, I want the 2.7 dual-scroll turbo engine. Okay? I want that. 300, 350 horsepower, 320 pounds of torque at, at, at 3,000 RPMs. Oh, I want that. I'm willing to pay for that upgrade. Guess what? This is an upgrade. This is your upgrade part of the, of the gospel. Jesus is in the business after what he's done on the cross. If we believe in him, if we place our faith and trust in him, being alienated, he made a way. He made a way. It's through the cross. He did it all on his own, and now by faith in what he did, and the pursuance of that. That's an actual word. It's not a fake word. The pursuance of that. What happens? What's the result? You get upgrades. Sanctification is the process of being made perfect, my friends. If you're perfect, raise your hand. Fine. We've now determined you all need upgrades. Next. Holy. Now, holy sometimes is a word that we regulate just to God, don't we? Do you know that you can have a holy kiss? Do you know that? The Bible says you can have a holy kiss. Men apparently have holy hands, and they're supposed to be lifting them up. Men, understand that. You know, Men, would you dare raise your hands? Right? I don't even know why you would do it. So but you can have holy hands you can have a holy kiss the idea of holiness is to set something away from that which is distorted that which is bad that which is wrong set it aside in the context of explaining that is by us being made holy we're being pulled out of the miry clay Psalm 40 into what? into setting our feet upon the rock into being more like Jesus Christ into more and more relationship instead of alienation. That's the idea of being holy. Let's turn to 1 Peter 1, 14-16, and I'll read that for you. <clears throat> and it, it, it's a great descriptor. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, right? The miry clay. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Now, you can't do that on your own. It's a process of God working through you that starts. Right? It's like getting an engine additive. You can't milk some more horsepower out of the engine if you keep putting 87 octane, you don't do anything else. But add some upgrades, and all of a sudden you're going to be getting some exhilarating rides blameless here we are blameless now i've been talking about this group of people that have been so frustrated and my question for those individuals is did they read the rest of this that there there's a statement here there's an acquiescence there's an understanding of being blameless turn to philippians 2 with me will you I want to be blameless. Have you ever been in the room and somebody's trying to figure out who did what? And you know you were the one? Oh, I love your laughter. It's so revealing. This is what Paul says. Actually, let's back it up to 14. Philippians 2, 14-16. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be what? blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you, what? Shine as the lights in the world. Yesterday I was watching one of these things on, uh, I don't know, History Channel or something, or the Overinflated man's ego channel where they upgrade these cars, right? And Janine walks by in the room, she goes, do you really like these shows? I said, no, I'm just too lazy to change the channel. And uh, they were converting into Impala which I think most Impalas need in converting. And what they did to that car is just crazy. But I'll tell you what, compared to what it was, it shined. Do you you start to understand that you pull something out of what some of you like were I can tell right now who used to be an Impala owner in the room. (laughs) You're stuck on that, right? So you move from a car that is this... And then these guys do all this work and all this conversion and all this effort and you get something that just shines to the point where it just blows people away. Do you understand that's what Paul's talking about? That this is what Jesus does in your life. Have you witnessed that? Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? That's the gospel truth. Amen? Well, that was, that was like, oh my goodness, that, that was like Anglican, amen. Amen. Can I get like a half-Baptist amen? Alright. Can I get a Southern Baptist amen? No, I don't think so. Alright. Alright, let's keep going. We're getting a little chippy here. So the result is in you! You're going to get this transformation. You're going to get upgrades. It's incredible because of the Gospel. Because of the, the veracity of the Gospel. The truth of the Gospel. And we've seen it. We've experienced it. Lastly, How do you do it? You abide because what he says here is... What he says here is a little scary. It's... Just listen. Let's get back to Colossians. Join me if you will. And it's verse 23. And it says... Uh, Actually, I'll back it up. 22. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which i paul became a minister Uh oh there it is there's a disclaimer there's the fine print of the extended warranty pastor you said me that wasn't in there He said to me it wasn't in there. What we're talking about is, if you misuse the car, if you never drive it, there's nothing we can do about that. If you're going to go out and you're going to drive it, yeah, we're going to get behind that. We're going to upgrade you. We're going to do all. But if you just let it sit and deteriorate what was given to you, that gift that was given to you, if you choose to never, ever use it, it's going to deteriorate and it's going to fall off which is not what it was intended to do you see spiritually this is what happens it's a lot like being connected to a parable that jesus gave about the soils that the gospel truth can come along and it can start to take root some of it just blows away immediately some of it today is going to fall on deaf ears in here that's just statistically where we're at it's not it's not the time yet for it to take root But for some of us maybe in this room, it is going to start to take root and you're going to want to make a decision. You're going to want to follow through. You're going to want to pursue. You're done with the hostility in mind. You want the upgrades. You say, yes, Jesus took that substitutionary level with me. But then you're going to get distracted again. And you're going to fall off. And you're going to fall off. And here's the key word for you this morning. He says you've got to continue in the faith. If you want to experience the warranty, if you want to experience true relationship with God, you've got to continue in the faith. Why is he saying this? Because there are those who were trying to get into the church at Colossae. Colossae. Colossae, however you want to say it. You're going to be so sick of me saying that over the next month and a half. I'm sick of saying it already. There were those that were listening to bad thoughts, bad thinking put 87 octane mix it in with your 91 when your car requires 91 you'll be fine and you'll save money don't listen to those engineers that's what was happening at the church of colossi and so he says you've got to continue in the faith don't swerve don't get distracted because if you do you're going to start following the wrong stuff have you been there You're going to start following the wrong stuff and you're going to crash and you're going to burn. You've got to stay true to what is true if you want to see the results, if you want to see what happens. And so the best way I can formulate this for you and I today, because this goes to, for those in the room that have gone through church your whole life, this goes to the argument of what? Eternal security. So it certainly seems that Paul is saying here, if you continue in the faith... That He's rallying for the idea that you can lose your what? Salvation. And you know what? There's a lot of people who believe that doctrine that they cite this verse. Now I got your attention. Here it is. I wrote the word up there. Genuine faith. Genuine faith where the Holy Spirit has come and resided will not allow you to swerve or veer off for very long. You got that? Even if you have had a hard go of it, and you become hostile, hostile towards God, because you're mad, you're angry, you're Cain, you're Elijah, you're, you're these guys, or you're these gals out of Scripture. You're hostile towards God. If the Holy Spirit is there, there's a genuine faith there, He's going to bring you back. My encouragement to you is, don't fight that battle too long. Don't get like Jacob, (laughs) where you have to really get in a physical one-on-one with God. Because it ain't going to work, and then you're going to be limping the rest of your life. Genuine faith. What is genuine faith? It's the one that abides. It's the one that abides. How many of you have had somebody over to your house for a meal, or for an activity, or for something this past month? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you had that person move in with you? <laughs> Folks, this is what it means to abide. You don't just invite Jesus for a barbecue. You invite him in. You give him the, the main room. And you say, we're going to be together. Nobody's going anywhere. We may have little spats here and there. But I know, you'll make me understand. You'll pull me around. I'll get it figured out because you don't quit on me. You are the extended warranty. But you don't just invite Jesus over for a barbecue. Second, stable and steadfast. Don't swerve. Do not swerve. This was why Paul's writing this to the church at Colossae. They started to swerve, man. If you've been on the road and, and that car is coming over into you, right? And you're like, oh, bless you, child. Oh, you must be struggling. I don't know why I'm using that accent. Actually, I know why. I know why, and, and I'm just trying to avoid something else. That's um, my predetermined idea of bad drivers. Anyway, the British are excellent drivers. That's, apparently, that's my subconscious. The British are excellent drivers. Or they're very kind. Folks, when when that person starts to swerve over into you, you're not, oh, so you want to get close. Hey, how you doing? There's a reason they're swerving. They're not paying attention. They're distracted. What do we hear all the time about texting, right? Are we doing that spiritually? We are so distracted. I, I don't know what this part of my life that was, but... We are so distracted that we start to what? We start to swerve. Are you swerving? Stop. Joshua 1, he talks to Joshua. Joshua's petrified because he has to take over. And he says, look, I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Just be strong and courageous. Be focused, Joshua. And then he says, don't swerve to the left or to the right. Be purposeful about what you're doing. Be intentional about what you're doing. And guess what? You will be successful. You're going to make it. Not only will you make it, you're going to thrive. Just don't swerve. That's the gospel message. That's part of the warranty. Lastly, not shifting. Immovable is the goal. When somebody comes along and wants to tempt the church at Colossae to swerve off of who Christ actually is, he's saying you've got to be immovable. We're in a day and age where immovable is not accepted well. Right? It's not accepted well. It's you're close-minded. Ever heard that one? You're close-minded. You know, I don't think I'm going to let my dog drive my car. I don't care how close-minded you think I am. I'm not, I'm not even going to, well, I actually let my dog ride in my car last night. I was a little scary. But four months ago, I would not have let my dog ride in a convertible. There's no way. Okay? It's not going to happen. I'm immovable on that. Certain things had to change and, and line up. Spiritually, there are things about who Jesus is because He said, "This is who I am." That's where we stay. We stay in that. There, there, there's no debate because Jesus said, "This is who I am." Right? Why are we? What gives us the authority to change Jesus? We have no authority to change Jesus. Jesus is who He says He is. It's like you describing yourself to somebody, right? You get on eHarmony? No, <laughs> oh, no, you don't. No, you get on eHarmony, and you're like, "Um, very intelligent. 10 out of 10. I don't know what that's in reference to, but 10 out of 10. Highly uh, good-looking. Great hygiene. Loves long walks. On and on and on. And we all know, right, I like to sit in my Barca lounger, I'm 40 pounds overweight and I shower every three days. <laughs> no, not me. That's a metaphor. But the reality is is that we're not, getting, we're, we're not getting to the truth of the matter, right? We want to change things. We want to present them better than what they actually look like or, or just make them convenient for what we want. And people always want to do that to Jesus. Can I just encourage you, don't shift off of who Jesus says he is. And that is the gospel truth. In closing this morning, I just encourage you. Where are you in context to Christ? Where are you with Jesus? Where are you in your walk? Are you alienated from God? Do you need to come back in understanding that Jesus did all of this for you? Do you need your upgrades? Have you been swerving? What's the next step for you? Can I encourage you? Don't get up from the desk until you truly know what you need. And then sign on the dotted line. Sign on the dotted line. Let me close in prayer. Again, this morning as you leave, uh, I see a lot of faces that I don't recognize. We're glad you're here. Um, If there's anything we can do to minister to you or serve you, Please, on one of the back of those cards, let us know or on the front of one of those cards. And then as you're leaving, um, we we took the boxes off the wall, and we nailed them to the credenza back there. So they're about seven inches lower. We had some people tell us that that was a little challenging, reaching up that high. You know, the, the heart started to stop beating because it was, you know, up there. Yes, vertically challenged. So just so you know, your leadership listens, and we move them four inches lower and uh, so you, the cards go in the box on the right and our gifts this morning um, your offerings go in the box on the left let me pray for you and dismiss uh, this morning i apologize i went a little long today but it's the gospel truth so you got to do what you got to do with the gospel truth father this morning i pray for each person that's in this room we're all at different paces and different places but your truth remains the same. And so I would simply ask a very simple request that your spirit speaks to each person and takes these three verses let each person evaluate where their soul, where their spirit is at in context to you. Let them look at these three verses and let them pursue, let them seek that next step towards eternal life. For some of us, it may be all about the upgrades. For some of us, it may be dealing with hostility in our mind towards God. For some of us, it may be about not swerving. For some of us, it may be having a clear understanding of who Jesus is and what He did on the cross for us. Let the truth of this message speak to our hearts this morning. And more than anything, God, let us not just conceptualize it but let us apply it to you be the glory father and to your glory let us live out in faith your gospel this week amen